Good singing. Man, I enjoyed that uh, men's choir. It was awesome. And uh, really appreciate the message of the song. Well, Brother uh, Jim has asked me to do, just give a little bit of a testimony about what goes on at Temple Baptist Church. We run right at 275 there at Temple Baptist in a real small town in El Dorado, Kansas. The uh, town's about 15,000 people. And um, we have been involved in missions giving for 60 years. Now, uh, the church is uh, 62 this year, and so for 60 years we became involved in what is known as Faith Promise Missions Giving. And what Faith Promise Missions Giving in is, in a nutshell, is it's uh, people in the church that are members of the church who already give as they should, which means they give. And, and let me just stop here and say there's plenty of precedent in the Bible about giving more than just the tithe. In fact, I was just reading through Exodus, and, the, and God told Moses, I want the people to give to me freely. So in other words, he's, he was asking for them to, of their own free will, give for uh, taking care of the tabernacle and getting it built. And they were to give items, monies, and, and uh, then the same thing happened when David began to collect for the tabernacle or for the temple, and then Solomon, and the Bible says in every one of those cases, they had to say, whoa, whoa, that's enough. That's too much. We can't take any more because you've given a lot. Now, that translates into the New Testament. So this is not a new idea. You and I don't need to think that, well, this, these people came up with this plan to get more money out of people. And I don't feel uncomfortable, first of all, talking about money. You know why? Because we're bought with a price. Everything we have and everything we are belongs to God already. And if you do what the church at Philippi did, the churches of Macedonia, the Bible says, gave of themselves first. Guess what goes in the offering plate whenever you go in? The wallet. So many people are like, mm, like, like little toddlers. Mine! If you go downstairs right now in the toddler's class, there's one toddler that has all the toys in the corner. Going... Now, Johnny, if your child's name is Johnny, sorry. Uh, Johnny, share. Mine, 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 mine. Some little kid, a little girl comes up. Johnny's not a, a gentleman yet because he's too little. Little girl walk, walks up, sneaks in behind him, grabs something. She, he chases her down and goes, <laughs> Mine, mine. I'm sorry, Johnny can no longer be in the nursery. He is beating the children. <laughs> I want to say to you, unfortunately, that's a lot of our hearts when it comes to our money with God. And it's a big bummer to me because he bought us and gave everything for us. He paid a great price. So... Uh, with that thought in mind, God's allowed Temple Baptist Church. We run about 275 there. We give somewhere between 250 to $270,000 a year just to missions. We don't, uh, that doesn't come out of our tithes. 
We also have tithe enough to run the church, which is a biblical principle, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. If a person preaches the ministry, they uh, preaches the gospel, they should be able to live by the gospel. That's a biblical principle. It's not a Ron Jones design principle or a Jim Alter or a Baptist or a Catholic by that way. Nobody designed it. It's biblical. God's always had a plan for taking care of his work. In fact, to the point that there was a tax taken every year, every person was responsible for giving to that to take care of the Levites who ran the temple at that time. Now, in New Testament times, what does that mean? Well, giving's even better in New Testament times because it reveals something about us to God, but it reveals something about us to ourselves and our relationship with God. So if you do me this favor, we're going to not use this as the text. Turn to Philippians chapter number four. We are going to use that as text. Leave your finger there. But we're going to take just a look at a few verses in Second Corinthians chapter number eight that we'll get back to uh, later on in this study. But Second Corinthians chapter number eight, and I don't know if you are in the habit of standing for the reading of God's word. If you're not, that's fine. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 1. Okay, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about the churches of Macedonia. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, here's what I want you to do. As your pastor says over and over and over again, uh, God's volume control in the Bible is how many times a word is used. I love that because it's exactly right. He wants us to understand something. So I want you to underline if you do in your Bible or at least write it on a piece of paper that he's talking to us about the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. God does ask us to be liberals. Right here. How? In giving. Amen. We are to be liberal in giving. If somebody walk up to you, walks up to you and says, are you a giver? I give liberally. So you're a liberal giver. Absolutely. You know what? That just makes God happy when you give liberally. So he says I, that they gave, uh, uh, abounded into the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. So what does this grace do? Now, if you understand grace, and this is, this is a grace 2.0, and I love that actual theme because how can we do what we're already doing better? Well, here's something you need to know in verse number 7. They weren't struggling in abounding in everything. They weren't struggling in faith. They weren't struggling in utterance. They weren't struggling in knowledge of the scriptures. And they were very diligent. And they weren't struggling in their love to Paul and to those who were spreading the gospel. 
But evidently they were struggling in their giving. That grace had not been seen in them like it had been seen in the churches of Macedonia. Now look, I know this can be boring, but stick with me just for a few minutes. We don't think that it's important that we grow up in grace to the point that we become givers. And when I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about not just money, but time and talent. I mean, these guys up here singing. They would have been horrible if they just would have practiced like two minutes before the service. They were good because they practiced. They gave of their time. That's part of the giving. But see, that doesn't absolve you from giving of your funds. Why? This church cannot run without money. It's the world we live in. You say, well, Brother Ron, I, I didn't come. You Baptist, all you guys do is talk about funds and giving of money. It should be just a natural extension of us to give. We should be willing to give. Why? So much has been given to us. I mean, it should be a no-brainer for us to give. And, and understanding how to give is how we begin this study. They gave of themselves. So first of all, you have to be willing to give of yourself before you're going to give your funds. You're not going to be just a person who shows up every once in a while. You're going to be a person who says, Pastor, I don't know what you need here today, but I want to be involved. I, I want to be involved however I can be involved. It's not a, well, I'm coming to do this. It's a, what do you need, preacher? What do you need, Mrs. Preacher? And I know she can preach. Don't even lie. What do you need? <laughs> I know. I have a wife. She, she preaches to me all the time. Most of her preaching is, stop it. But, uh, yes, ma'am. Or I sent her a text the other night and it was, you're so pathetic. And it's true, I am. You see, you guys say, oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. Yeah, I'm in an abusive relationship. I, I hope you'll pray for me. <laughs> anyway. If you're going to have a successful marriage, you're going to give of yourself. Amen. In fact, if you're going to have a successful marriage, you better not be too stingy with your pocketbook. Mother's Day is coming. <laughs> Happy mother-in-law. Got to spend some bread. I hate my mother-in-law. Just out of hate, give her something in, in love. You have a, you have a wife? Gentlemen, you should... Come on. I, I don't think this is a foreign thing. You give over and above. I hope there's nobody in here who says, don't ever do this, okay? Well, I bought groceries, woman! Are you wearing clothes? That's all you deserve! Now scrub the floor! I hope that's not your heart towards your spouse. And I especially hope that's not the wife coming home talking to the husband. See, isn't it, we can have fun while we're talking about money. This is much better. <laughs> I don't think the majority of the people in here are not going to be that way. The majority. You know what? I do know there are people that are like that. And so I, I, I actually am sorry for you because one of the greatest things I love to do is bring my wife something home that she is just absolutely not expecting. You know Why? Because it proves the sincerity of my love. Now, here's what Paul says. Here's what the churches of Macedonia, specifically, let's just use this church, the church of Philippi. They specifically gave to the point that it proved their sincerity. That means it was something that was without a doubt revealed their heart to God 
to Paul, to those around that they loved giving and they loved what they were doing. Now, if you go with me to Philippians chapter number 4, and we're going to begin in verse number 14. Actually, let's go to verse, out of verse number 11 just to kind of get us into it. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let me stop there and say this. If you use this in context, he's not talking about building a cathedral made out of crystal. And he's not talking about passing a test. Those are great applications. I'm not uh, against you praying and asking God because you can do all things through Christ who strengthen you. But what he's talking about is being able to suffer for the gospel's sake and not have a problem doing it. In fact, while he's suffering, being content, but he can only do it one way, by the good grace of God. So then he says this, and this is what I want us to catch this morning. Notwithstanding. I want you to pay attention to that word. I love words in the scriptures where they're placed and I love what the what they actually represent while they're there. I don't have to go to the Greek to explain to you that notwithstanding means he's getting ready to introduce a thought that goes along with him being content. There's a reason this kind of encourages me to be content. In fact, I want to share it with you is almost what he's saying because I want to show you what helps me be content even though I would be content without it. I want you to understand something about our relationship. Ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in the Thessalonica, yet uh, sent, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So in this section of Scripture, if you understand the relationship that Paul had with the church at Philippi, there's a couple of things that we can glean from this and we can read between the lines a little bit. First of all, church, the, the, the book of Philippians doesn't have a, a, a correction in doctrine for the church at Philippi. In fact, the way that it starts off is that he loves them and he's thankful for them and he's thankful for the relationship he has with them. This is as a, a loving father writing to a church and he wants to help them continue to develop what's already going on. Let's stop here and say this. When a preacher's preaching something you already know or you may be involved in, don't shut it off. Be thankful for it that you're getting a biblical reminder why you do things. At Temple Baptist Church, I don't have to preach on giving. I don't... We, when we give out faith promise uh, cards once a year, October, the second full week of October is our missions conference. We have missionaries come in from Wednesday to Sunday. And at that time, I begin to, for the month before, I begin to 
tell people, pray about what God would have you to give. And these faith promise missions cards are, are, are unsigned. They are simply a person saying between God and myself, between me and God, I will promise this amount of money per week, month, uh, biannually, whatever. I, I want to promise this amount of money for missions specifically. The money does not go to tithe because they're already tithing. The money doesn't go to special projects around the church because it is meant for missions giving to specifically meet missionary needs. Why can Temple Baptist Church that runs just a few more people than this church give $275,000 a year to missions? Because people are all wrapped up in about helping missionaries. We recently had a missionary come through, raised $5,000 for him from the floor and had enough money in our missions fund to give him $5,000 to what? Go back and finish the building of the church that had gotten wiped out by a typhoon during the typhoon season. I don't want you going, oh... I'm saying that's a glory to God that people got behind the program and said, yes, I'll give. I will give. Now you say, well, I don't believe in signing a promise card. You don't sign your name. You don't put your name anywhere on it. Because the commitment is between you and God. And what it does, you say, well, we have a better plan in place. If you had a better plan in place, you'd be supporting a bunch of missionaries. Temple Baptist Church supports 135 missionaries, $100 a month. Folks, we're not much bigger than this church. What's the difference? The willingness of the heart. And it's not something that I can change. I want you to know right now, Brother Jim didn't call me here to, to hover over you and wave a magic wand. When you wish upon a star, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo-bing, You're going to give to missions. You might be saying this, I can't afford to give to missions. Well, if you were from the church at Philippi, that's exactly what you would say. But see, there was a need. Now, I want want you to note biblical mission support here in this section of Scripture. He says, I can be strengthened. I, I can do all these things through Christ who strengthened me. But I want you to understand something. You have done well, verse number 14, that you did communicate with my affliction. You did well communicating with my affliction. Here's what I want you to know. First of all, Paul in his ministry suffered many things for the cause of Christ. It was told him that he was going to do that. But you know, the people who were faithful to support him everywhere he went, the church at Philippi. In fact, in Acts 17, when he leads, leaves Philippi and goes to Thessalonica, they send him money. The word communicate means that they did it often perhaps even monthly, it could have been weekly, but every once in a while, Paul was getting a gift, monetary gift, support, if you will, from a church that made a promise to support him. Now, they did this as in agreement among themselves in the church. They communicated to him. And this would be a bummer if Paul didn't precede these verses with this idea I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. It would have been a big bummer if that would have been the only verse there, but he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So Christian, first of all, you and I need to come to a point of contentment in 
our relationship in the things that we have, in our relationship with God, that no matter what we're going through, we're content with it. We as Americans want the next big thing. And we're, we're not content with what God's given us. And therefore, our funds are limited because if a missionary came through and said, I have this need, we wouldn't be able to meet it. Why? Because we're meeting our own wants. So he says, I am content to you who give to missions. The next few verses should just be a glory hallelujah to you. To those of you who do not give to missions, it should be encouragement why you should give. See, Paul wasn't asking for a gift to make himself feel better about himself or to give him a big yacht or a big Camelac or whatever it is. It wasn't, he wasn't trying to reach the masses with, with, with television and have it. He wasn't trying to get a G5 Gulfstream like so many are today when they ask on the TV for money to be sent. No, no, no. Here's what he was saying. I'm spreading the gospel. Listen to me. And I can't do it without money. I can't do it without prayer. So he says, I'm thankful. Even though I'm content, I want you to know I'm thankful that you made the commitment to give to me. So first of all, faith promise is a commitment, not to the pastor, not to the church, to the missionary. To say, I will be involved in giving to missions. Why? Thank you for asking. Go to Acts chapter number one, very quickly there. As you know, very familiar passage. Jesus is getting ready to ascend to the Father. And they're wanting to know if it's now time. The kingdom of Israel is going to come into place. And verse number 7, Jesus says this. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both. That's the word I want you to catch. Both. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Both. See, missions or gospel preaching is not just about Sydney, Ohio. No, no, no. It's where you start. But the Bible says we're supposed to do these things both. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and also in the uttermost part of the earth. How many of you think when Jesus said that, he meant it? Anybody just think? How many of you think he was lying? There's no way to do it. Evidently, then, there must be a biblical plan to do that. First of all, let's start here in Jerusalem. You want me to tell you what will get you stirred up about missionaries winning souls overseas? You being involved in winning souls and discipling them here. If you're not actively involved in that, I'm not mad. I hope you don't get mad because I didn't come here to make anybody mad. But sometimes I do have a flippant attitude and people really get mad about it. But I'm just going to be honest. If you don't win souls to Christ, if you're not burdened to win souls, if there's not someone right now you're thinking of while I'm saying this soul needs to be saved, you're not going to care about missions. Why? Well, why would you care about something there that you're not even doing here? You won't. Now, that may have made you mad. Sorry. It just never ceases to amaze me. Look, haven't you told your children? If you don't keep your room clean here, 
You're probably not going to keep your office space clean over here. I mean, go to Brother Jim's office space. (laughs) Don't go in there. It's a nightmare. But um, (laughs) the books are falling. Um, The truth is, everybody in this room knows what you invest in with your heart, you'll continue to invest invest in. In fact, that's why Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves do break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt nor do thieves break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your... You think it's a biblical principle? It's been through the since the very beginning. Where your treasure is is where your heart's going to be. If your treasure is seeing souls saved here you'll have no problem giving to missions. Why? Here, because here's what you know. I can't do both. I can't physically be here and physically in Africa. I can't physically be here and planting a church 200 miles away in America. I, there's, God has a plan in place. And for me to be content in His plan is the first part of being involved in that plan. And to do that, I have to be burdened. I have to be pressed about souls. And let me just move on from this point. It's not something you get down and pray about. Oh, Lord, give me a burden for souls. Here's your burden for souls. Go. It's our great privilege and responsibility to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that He died according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, that He was seen of above 500 people. Jesus Christ is risen. And in that, that motivates us to spread the gospel around the world because He's alive. If He's alive, I want people here to know and I want people in deepest, darkest Africa, India, Iran, I want people in Iran to know the truth. People are saying, boy, if we could just change these things, if we change poverty. Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always, but me you won't. See, what's going to change the world is Jesus Christ. That's what missions does. So the church at Philippi, back in our text, they were often involved. They were committed to to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse number 16, For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Now here's verse number 17. There's a, there's a reason why he's writing this and saying this. Not because I desire a gift. Get out of your mind. I had a man, I went to a missions conference, preached a missions conference somewhere down in Texas. And of course, in Texas, this would happen. Guy walks up to me, he, he goes, I need to ask you a question. I said, he was an older man, so I was very respectful. I didn't go, yeah, what do you want? I said, yes, sir. Don't you think missions is a Ponzi scheme? Bunch of missionaries getting money, going living high on the hog somewhere. I looked at him and I said, no, sir. I, I think there are probably people who misuse God's funds. I'll bet you probably... I've done that. Dun, dun, dun. He looked at me and goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, I bet you have some stuff in your shed that you don't need at all. You probably haven't used for 20 years. It's just sitting there. 
Well, I'm an American. And I went, that's a bummer. What do you mean? I said, it's no more Ponzi scheme than anything else we do in the ministry. Are there people that abuse it? Yes. God will bring them into account. Okay, Paul plainly says, I don't desire anything. Is that always going to be true? No. How do you know? Not my problem. Once I give the money to God, it's God's beeswax. And I think God's probably big enough to handle that. But not only that, He set men in place to be wise about who should get, to whom should be given the support. So now, do you trust God and the leadership? Oh. See, there's this big misnomer that when I give money, it's my money. So people might say this, Well, I tithe, I have a say. Yeah, who did you tithe to? Well, God. Well, once it's God's money, do you have a say? Nope. What if I don't like it? Exactly. (laughs) If you don't like it, trust God and say, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I trust you to take care of it. Why? It's His church. It's not your church. The glory in Ephesians chapter number 3 is to go to God by Christ Jesus in the church, not the pastor or the people. When I'm actively witnessing and actively giving to missions, listen to what it says, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So here's what we can deduce. If you give to missions... When you hear a missionary letter read and people are getting saved, fruit to your account. Amen. What? If you're not giving to missions and you hear a missionary letter of people being saved, no fruit. It's not fruit by association. It's fruit by giving. I tell people this at Temple Baptist Church all the time. Temple Baptist Church is a great missions-giving church. Been known for years of being that way. But if they're not involved in missions, you can sit there and look good, but it's like this. Here's another big one. If you do not tithe and give offerings to Bible Baptist Church here in Sydney, Grace Bible Baptist Church, if you don't give and something good happens and somebody walks the aisle and gets saved or there's people reached out in the community and you don't give... You don't get fruit by association. You get fruit by giving. Well, I don't like that. I think that's just your message. I'm going to blow! The people who get most angry are the people who don't give. Um, And again, I didn't come here to make you mad. This is awesome because you're not my congregation. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're visiting here this morning, this isn't meant to be mean. Actually, I have a lot of fun doing this, as you can see. But I because I think we should be happy about giving. I don't know about you. I honestly I give to the Salvation Army at Christmas time. 
I walk by their little kettle. I don't agree with everything they do, but I do know that in my community, a lot of that money is going to be given. But you know what? I give two, three times that at Christmas time to Temple Baptist Church to meet people's needs in the church. Well, aren't you a big shot? No. I love to give. Why? Because Christ started the whole deal. He gave to me. Isn't it sad? I mean, come on. How many of you have gotten a Christmas present unexpectedly and then you start scrambling going, well, i got to get them a Christmas present. What am I going to do? I wasn't expecting a Christmas present from them. I haven't seen them for 10 years. The jerks. I mean, I'm so thankful for the Christmas present. What motivates you to give? They gave to you. Wow. Wow. Jesus Christ gave his very life, left his glory. Shouldn't I be willing to give to him? Watch this. Paul was thrown in jail in Philippi, was beaten, locked in a jail. The first Baptist church of Philippi started when the Philippian jailer popped in and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I was wanting to do that. Because it said he sprang in with a light. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, you just believe in Jesus Christ and be baptized in all thy house. And the Bible says they went home. He washed their wounds. They heard the gospel. He baptized them. They were saved. Those are the people that he's writing to right here. Philippian jailers didn't get paid a lot of money. In fact, they were killed for the slightest little mishaps. But this jailer says, hey, folks, we need to support Paul. Why? Because we've seen how he suffered here, and we know how important the gospel is. Please look at me real, real quick. Look what it's done in our lives. We owe it to Paul to support him. Why? He's conveying the truth. Folks, we owe it to the Lord Jesus Christ to be involved in sending missionaries to convey the gospel. Why? They're going places and doing things we cannot do. And bonus, fruit to your account if you give. Well, I don't want any fruit. Maybe you should read what happened to the fig tree when Jesus walked by. I just It didn't have fruit on it. He cursed it. The next day they came back. And the disciples were going, uh, that tree's dead. Uh. Now, am I saying you're going to go to hell if you don't give? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But you will have a dead spiritual life until this grace grows up in you. Remember, it's called grace. Verse number 18, I have all and abound. I am full, having received Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Verse number 18 says, I am so filled up with the fact that you love me. You know what, missionaries, whenever you make a promise to them, and especially when you... You, you want me to tell you how to encourage your pastor? I, I, and I hope you folks that are members here... We'll catch this. And those of you who are not, I hope you'll catch our heart about giving. It is so that others can hear. It, there's a lot of things our missionaries do that we could never do where they are. We can't, they can't work, but we can support them to do many, many wonderful and mighty things. And, and I want you to see how this makes the one who's receiving the gift feel. He says, I'm filled up. I'm so thankful. 
Let me tell you what will make your pastor just thrilled. Man, we passed out faith promise missions cards and people promised. Listen to me. $5 a week, $2 a week. It's not how much you give. It's that you give with your heart. Everybody doing something, no matter how small, can add up to something big. And you can be able to say, oh, I can't believe God can do that in this church. One of the things that guest speakers that come into Temple Baptist Church, when they say, your board says you're going to promise $275,000 to missions. How do you do that with these people? And I say, it's a glory to God. Because we don't have that money. I don't have millionaires in the church. There's not one person giving. But I will tell you, out of the 275 people that are giving, 159 give every week or month. Do you know how rare that is? Now, is it Ron Jones? Is it his message? No, no, no. It's people that have opened their heart to say, missionaries, they're going to take the gospel. I need to support them. How am I going to do that? Well, there's a plan in place. I'm going to make a commitment. Why? Because not only do I get fruit, but watch God's response. Look at the latter part of that. It is an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. When I take my money that I really want to drink coffee with or that I really want to buy a new car with, and I say, you know what? Getting the gospel around the world is much more important than that. And I want to contribute to what uh, Grace Bible Baptist Church is doing in Sydney. And I want uh, the pastor to know that I'm involved in this. And the pastor doesn't come to you and say, okay, you promised $5,000 and you have not given $5,000. So I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take it out of your blood. Please roll up your sleeve. No, he doesn't know who promised what. And it is between you and God. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've heard preach that God's sitting there with a lightning bolt ready to strike you if you don't keep your commitment. Now, that would have been the Old Testament. The New Testament is God gives you the opportunity to grow in grace. When you start giving, your grace increases so you grow up in more learning and knowledge. You, you become the discipler instead of the discipled. And things begin to change in your life because you're involved in God's plan of doing both, reaching Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts, the uttermost parts of the earth. When you see that you're involved in it, I'm going to tell you there's such a joy when a missionary comes in and he stands here and he's been off the, he's on furlough and he's been away from the field for two months and he's weeping, telling you stories about people getting saved, how God changed lives. And here's what you get to say. That was a well-pleasing, sweet-smelling savor I sent to God in that offering. And that is fruit to my account. Glory to God. When I get to heaven, they can walk up to me and say, Thank you for being involved. Thank you for giving. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you can be involved in it. And it doesn't matter how much you have, you can be involved in it. Why? It's spreading the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't you think everybody should have a chance, have a chance for it? Amen. They should. But a church can only send as many as they have money to send. See, I can't send 135 missionaries on my own, but I can support them $100 a month. And along with like-minded churches that are Baptist, where the missionaries have been checked out, we can come together and we can reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. Why? Because we're making a commitment. We're going to do it. 
Well, Brother Ron, why would you want to do that? Because it's well-pleasing to God right there, verse number 18. Here's the big argument. But what if I don't have enough to give? If you're involved in giving, in context here, is where we're staying, in the Bible. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Does that mean that He's going to dump a bunch of money on you? Are we talking about planting a faith seed? No, we're not talking about that. Here's what we're talking about. God will supply your need. Now, I don't know how much plainer to make that. Do you have a need? God will supply it. It's amazing to me, it is amazing to me, how people that don't give gripe the most about God not meeting their need. But people who do give just trust God. It's a heart thing. I've never had people in the church... Well, let me just be really dead dog honest with you here. And for a change, I have been lying the whole time. So uh, you're going, yeah, I knew it. And you're over your time, Jackson 5. But anyway, let me, let me close out with this thought and then I'm going to read you one little statement. We recently at Temple Baptist Church went through two years of a very, very, very difficult time. Very difficult. We lost, uh, and, it, and believe it or not, it wasn't due to me, although it could have been, but uh, it wasn't due to me. There was a situation going on in the church that uh, it, it happened, it was a lie, and it kept growing. Again, it wasn't against me or about me, but it kept growing. The, finally, there was a civil action suit taken and a suing of the church for $1.5 million and there was a and there were a, there was a lot of problems with it. Now let me tell you that there are three different people that are involved in that. There are the people that are going to say, "I don't care what happens, I'm going to stick. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to stay and do what I'm supposed to do." There are the people who step back and go, "Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to even be involved in this," and so they kind of pull back. Then there are the people who leave because they say, "I don't want to be in a church with problems." Well, then you need to leave every church you've ever been to because they all have problems. So we had the people who left the church taking with them $52,000. The only reason I knew that was because the bookkeeper added up the monies and said, we just lost $52,000. Here, here, here was my response. Well, I guess God's got some good business to do. He's going to do something powerful because He said He would never leave us or forsake us and He said that He would supply our needs. Can I tell you this? We never dropped one missionary not one. We never missed one payment of any kind for our utilities or any other thing at the church. We never even got close. Those of you who don't think $52,000 in a budget of around $875,000 is that much, you're wrong when you've planned on it. But I, I'm here to give glory to God to say He met our need. In fact, over and above our need. This year, our missions giving is $9,000 ahead of where it should be. You know why? Because God is faithful. Do you want this church to have its needs met? Do, do you want your family to have their needs? Do you The needs. I'm not talking about the Porsche you want. I'm not talking about the brand new house you want. 
I'm talking about your needs. My God shall supply them if you're faithful to be involved in His plan. Let me read you this and, and with this. It has to do with faith promise. The challenge of faith promise is not how much can I trust God to give me for a faith promise commitment each week. It's not like I'm praying for this number. God, give me a magic number like my lotto numbers. No, that's not what it is. Rather, the question is, how much can I give to faith promise each week and still trust God to meet my own needs? How much can you trust God for? Not a magic number. But if you would say, Brother Ron, I want to be involved in spreading the gospel around the world. I already tithe here. I'm doing that right. I'm, I'm involved because that's biblical. I'm doing the right thing there. I'm supporting the local church. We're going to look at that tonight. I hope you'll come back because there's more to this than just giving to faith promise. But I want you to understand, God has a plan to take care of His work. He has a plan to reach the world. You can either be involved in it or not. Amen. And when you stand before Him and the fruit's given out and you haven't given... You'll be fruitless. It's not fruit by association. It's just not. The fruit that goes on at this church, it's not fruit by, well, I go to a church that does this. No, 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 no. If you're not witnessing, and this person is, the fruit is on their account, not on your account. Folks, it's time that we get serious about God's plan. He has a plan. The question is, do you want to be involved in it? Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around.